Thessalonians in chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> I told you a minute ago that uh, this morning's message is going to be a little different. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just kind of trying to warn you. Um, because, well, let, 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 let's get into the message and I'll, I'll do some more explaining as we get into it. <clears throat> the the uh, Bible college that I went to, and I we talked a little bit about this Wednesday night for those of you that were here Wednesday. Uh, uh, the Bible college that I, I went to, I was required to take some classes uh, called homiletics. Uh, homiletics is the is the art of preaching. It they it is the 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 college's attempt to teach students how to preach because there's a there's a there's a method to it. Okay, um, so anyway, uh, and that's not that's really not what we're talking about. It's this is all kind of introduction. There are basically there's there's more than this, but there's basically three types of sermons that pastors preach. There is uh, textual. Textual preaching is where you literally go word by word through the scriptures. I mean, literally word by word. <clears throat> Expository. Expository is a comprehensive analysis of uh, larger blocks of scripture. So not necessarily taking every, every word, but, but basically uh, preaching um, uh, through a book of the Bible in, in sections. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, and then, and then topical preaching. And that is, uh, a sermon based on an event, uh, uh, like, like often like this morning, I'm not this morning, but normally at Thanksgiving, I would preach a message on being thankful. Okay. So that would be, that would be a topical message. Uh, those of you that come on Sunday night know that we're doing a series on Sunday night called facing your giants. Those are the the things that come into your life that can appear to be bigger than they really are, and uh, so those are all those are all topical messages. <clears throat> so, one of the advantages, and and the, the majority of the sermons that I preach would fall into the the category of expository. Uh, we we usually like we've been working our way through the book of First Thessalonians, and we and we go we go by by thought or by by subject, if you would, and we just cover the entire book that way. Uh, so the majority of the messages that I preach are expository. One of the advantages <clears throat> of preaching an expository uh, uh, style is if you hit something controversial and somebody gets offended out in the out in the audience, uh, then you know they can't blame me. Okay, because I, I I'm not I'm not picking and choosing what I'm preaching. You, you you understand the logic there? So you know I, you know I can as the pastor I can just say hey it was just your turn, you, you know it's, it's my turn next week. Okay, uh, but that's <laughs> uh, that's just one of the advantages. Um, one of the disadvantages of preaching expositorily is that when you get to something that is uncomfortable, you still have to preach it. Because as a pastor, <clears throat> I'm required to, what you just said, 
preach the entire counsel of God. I can't, I can't take the liberty of saying, okay, I don't really want to talk about this this morning, so I'm just going to jump over it. Okay, so that's one of the disadvantages. <clears throat> so this morning, we're talking about something I'm not comfortable talking about. About me. Just so you know, this is an incredibly difficult message for me. Uh, I'm going to be very transparent this morning. I'm probably going to say some things that uh, will embarrass my wife. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Do not tell her I said that, okay? Uh, yeah, I, I know. It, it never fails. You would not believe what Pastor said about you. <clears throat> We've been working our way through chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and, and at the end of chapter 5, Paul gives us 22 commandments. And we are going to be talking about commandment number 20 this morning. Uh, but if you remember back when we did commandment number 4, uh, it was be a safeguard. I, I don't know. And I talked a little bit uh, about uh, being a safeguard, uh, being willing to stand in the gap and uh, I, we used the illustration of Moses uh, and uh, uh, Aaron and her had to hold his hands up and and so on and so forth and and we talked about that and I and I made I, I asked a question and this is the question I asked I went back to my notes to make sure I, I had it right uh, what is the best way to meet the needs of your pastor or or, or something to that effect. And the answer that I gave you was to pray for him and his wife. And, well, really, his family. To pray for him and his family. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 25, and we will see commandment number 20. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25. Brethren... Pray for us. Now, <clears throat> I want to make one thing perfectly clear. <clears throat> Paul, when he wrote this, he says this with an emphasis here of importance. And he's not saying, brethren, pray for us in a general sense. What he is, he's literally calling them out and, and saying, brethren, you need to pray for us and he was referring to him not as an individual so to speak but as as a pastor evangelist missionary so on and so forth so commandment number 20 be a prayer partner be a prayer partner god wants you to pray for pastors he didn't say pray for me he said, pray for us. I was given a book recently, and I have, honest to God, I, I have no idea where I got this book. It was given to me. I even went to my wife and said, do you remember where I got this book? And she says, what book? And, I, and so I showed it to her, and, and she's like, I, I've never seen that before in my life. I... I it may have, I don't know where I got it. I, I really don't. But it, it, the, the title of this book 
It's called the book your pastor wishes you would read, but is too embarrassed to ask. I love the title of the book. Oh, okay, was it? Okay, okay, because it was on the it was on the top of my the stack of my books, and I'm like, where did it come from? I, I love it. I, I love the title of it, but it's true. This book is a book that I wish everyone in our church would read, but I'm I'm embarrassed to say, here, you need to read this because it talks about me. <laughs> so anybody who wants it can have it. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> but but I want to I wanna I wanna, I wanna uh, read you a an ed, a, a quote out of the first chapter. The first chapter of this book is entitled Pastors are people too. And I like that because oftentimes we are, we are, uh, uh, unfairly measured. Is that, is that, would, would that make sense? Okay. So here, here's a quote. And this is just a short quote out of the first part of the book. It says, <clears throat> well, you say, of course they are. I know that. Yes, but it it is easy to forget. It is natural to think about our pastors in terms of what they do, how they lead and pray and preach and teach and so on. But what about who they are? We tend to see our pastors at their most polished. I I want us to see them or at least imagine them as they are. I want to share some statistics. Now, I've, sh- I've shared these st- statistics with you before, but I, in, in light of what we're talking about this morning, I felt it was important we, we kind of talk about these again. Um, <clears throat> and and the, the statistics I'm about to show you are, are, are... I'm not doing this so that you would feel sorry for me. Okay, that, that, that's not the point. The point is, <clears throat> pastors and their families need prayer. And, and God's people need to be passionate about praying for pastors. So let me share with you some of the struggles that pastors go through. Now, now keep in mind that, that, that these statistics are uh, across, across the, re- the religious realm. Okay, this is not just Baptist. This is everything that calls itself a church. Okay, so this is encompassing an awful lot, but there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in in what is in what is being said here. Ninety-seven percent of pastors have been betrayed, falsely accused, or hurt by their trusted friends. Now, let, let me stop right there and ask this. How many of you have ever been hurt by a trusted friend? We all have, okay? What is the difference? I have nobody to go talk to. See, when somebody in the church does something that hurts me or my wife, who do we go talk to? But if somebody in the church hurts you, you come to me. You see the difference? of pastors battle depression. I'm surprised, honestly, it's that low. 
7,000 churches close each year. 1,500 pastors quit each month. Now you say, well, but Pastor, that, that, that's, that, those are insane numbers. Exactly. And, this, and this, this next one will tell you a lot. 10% of pastors will retire as a pastor. That, that, that's an incredible number. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of ministry. 78% of pastors have no close friends. Now, I will say this. That is not true of me. Okay, I have several close friends. They're just not in this church. You know, I have friends in this church. But I don't have close friends that I can call and cry with in this church. I have them, they're out of state. I've got several that I, that I have. 90% of pastors report working 55 to 75 hours a week. And I know that to be a, a, a very accurate number. Again, I'm not complaining, I'm not trying to get sympathy, but what I'm, what I'm wanting you to do is get a hold of the fact that you need to pray for pastors. Now, I, I'm doing this message really because I could have very easily skipped over it or, or minimized it, but I, I felt the 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 urgency, the, the 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 burden to really share my heart this morning for two reasons. Number one, many of you know more than one pastor, and you should be praying for every single one of them. I, I have a list at my house uh, that I pray for uh, pastors that I know. Why? Be, because one thing, I'm commanded to pray for them. And number two, I understand some of the burdens that they carry. And then the second reason that I, I'm I'm preaching this message the way I am is the fact that my wife and I need your prayers. It's really that simple. Three weeks ago, out of the blue, I, I think I know why they did, but I, I don't know for sure. But three weeks ago, <clears throat> several men in our church came to me on a Sunday morning before most of you were here and said, Pastor, we'd like to go to your office, which is back here in this corner, and uh, we'd like to pray for you for the sermon this morning. So we went back there, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me. And they, the, the next week, they did that again, and the, this morning, they did it again. I cannot tell you the encouragement that that was to me. Garnier Spring wrote this. It is at, excuse me, it is a, it is at a fearful uh, <clears throat> expense that ministers are even allowed to enter the pulpit without being preceded 
accompanied and followed by the earnest prayers of the church. It is no marvel that the public, excuse me, that the pulpit is so powerless and ministers so often disheartened when there are so few to hold up their hands, when the church ceases to pray for ministers, ministers will no longer be able to be a blessing to the churches. Any idea when this guy lived? When he wrote this? Well, not this, but wrote that. In the 1700s. Do you think it's gotten any better? No. Point number one. Well, okay, what, what I'm going to do is, is, is as fast as I can, I'm going to give you eight ways to pray for pastors. Pray for me. Pray for every pastor that you know. You should, on Sunday mornings, or maybe even on Saturday night, you should get in the habit of going through a list of pastors that you need to pray for. Every pastor that you know, because like I said, many of you know multiple pastors. You should be in a habit of praying for them. And I want to give you eight ways. How about that? That's about, that's easier. Eight ways. I want to give you eight ways to pray for pastors. Okay, number one. And and there's, there's no necessary order to the importance of these things. These are just eight things that pastors need to be prayed for. Number one, <clears throat> pray for protection from Satan. That, that should be a no-brainer. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If, if this is true, See, Satan does not want to ruin your day. He wants to destroy you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Satan is out to destroy you, period. How much more do you think Satan is out to destroy a pastor? If you've got a target this big on your back, pastors have targets this big. And the, and, and the reason why, and I've seen it firsthand, if if, if Satan can take down a pastor, the ripple effects are a lot wider and deeper. I have seen churches absolutely destroyed because a pastor went into sin. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, and I don't really... Anyway... I've heard this phrase many times, and, and it, it, it anyway, <clears throat> have you ever heard the phrase, oh, that pastor fell into sin? Or, 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 or maybe in reference to somebody, oh, they fell into sin. Well, I'm here to tell you, pastors don't fall into sin. They, they walk into it with their eyes wide open. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about temptations and things here in a minute. But we need to be praying for the uh, uh, <coughs> protection from Satan's attacks. Because 
let me ask you a question. <clears throat> there, there is a philosophy out there in, in, the, in the world today that says that there is a God, but there is no devil. Okay? Now, now, now think about this for a second. <clears throat> That's illogical. Because there's evil in the world, is there not? Well, if there's a God and no, no devil, no Satan, then the evil has to be attached to the God. But our God is no, has no evil in him. So the, the, the log, just the, the pure logic of that is, is nonsense. Pray for the protection from Satan. Number two, pray for the fight against the flesh. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath uh, uh, conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I want to go back to verse 14 and the second to, or the second and third word of verse 14. But what? Every man. Pastors are tempted just like everybody else. I struggle with the flesh just like everybody else. Now, now this is not a cop-out. And, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying this for you to feel sorry for me. Um, and it's not an excuse for me to sin. All I'm saying is we struggle with the same things you struggle with. But at the beginning, I read the, the, the quote out of this book, and, it's, and it, it, you know, he says, he's, you know, basically what he's saying, pastors are people too. But too often we're, we're put on, a, on a, a different level of expectation. Is that fair? No, it's not fair, but it's reality. And with that brings a separate set of pressures that are almost impossible to live up to. Because the reality is, if, if I live my life to meet everybody's expectations of what a pastor should be, I would have no life. That's why I need, as a pastor, I need to live my life to please him just like you need to live your life. <clears throat> the fight against the flesh <clears throat> is simply putting God in proper perspective in our lives. See, if I want to live for God, then I need to fight against the temptations that every single one of us fight against. Number three, and, and to me, this, this would be the, probably in the top three. So pray for spiritual encouragement. This is, an, really, this is one of the more important ones in my, in my thinking because I, I personally think that if I'm spiritually encouraged, then... A lot of these, the, a lot of the eight things, kind of, kind of, 
take care of themselves. Does that make sense? Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Uh, to the end, uh, you may be established. This is that I may be comforted uh, together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. One of the statistics that I read a little while ago that we had up on the board was that 80% of pastors are discouraged. And I made the comment that I thought that number was a little low. See, you have to understand that pastors find themselves in the midst of difficult situations on a regular basis. And, 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 and these difficult situations, more, more, more often than not, are not of their own making. Pastors are oftentimes find themselves in the midst of marital issues. Death in the families of the church, friends, even in the community. I've, I've done funerals for, for people that I, I, I never met before. But you're thrust into this situation and you're there to defuse. I had a I was doing I did a funeral <clears throat> for a family. I'd never met them before. In Carson City, I drove all the way to Carson City. <clears throat> Walked in, was sitting on the platform. I did I had never met the family before. And two of the family members started fighting. I mean, there was there there I, I almost had to break up a fist fight. Personal struggles that take place amongst people. Pastors are oftentimes thrust in the midst of this. The apostasy, the, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in, in a little bit, but that's a, that's, a, that's a spiritual battle that takes place amongst a lot of our people. And, and, and what, what can happen? And, and this, is, this, is just, this is just reality. A pastor oftentimes finds himself pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And if the pastor is not taking in, and if that pastor is not spiritually refreshed, what's going to happen? He's going to burn out. And I'll, I, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, the, the, the statistic that 1,500 pastors a month are quitting, I can, I can tell you this from personal experience, uh, people that I know that are no longer in ministry, uh, almost every one of them is for that reason. Pray for spiritual encouragement. Number five, number four. Pray for wisdom. James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, and let, let me say this. Uh, <clears throat> I want to I I be careful here. Many times what a pastor deals with is not always black and white. Now, if you're one of those people that live in a black and white world, 
good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> but not everything that a pastor deals with is black and white. Uh, a, a pastor desperately, desperately needs wisdom from God. Uh, to, you know, navigating, navigating the, the troubled waters of life can be interesting at times. Because a pastor is supposed to know how to help people that have addictions. They, they, they're supposed to be able to solve everybody's financial problems. Uh, you're supposed to uh, referee in every kind of conflict. And you can only do that by the wisdom of God. Very seldom, very, very seldom is a situation simple. More often than not, the situations <clears throat> that people get themselves in are incredibly complex. And it's my job as a pastor, or it's, a, the, it's the job of a pastor to untangle all of that and not offend anybody. I wish Brandon, Brandon was telling me of, a, of a, a, a cartoon character. I wish I had had it this morning, so it would have been a great illustration. But, um, you know, there are just times in life where you get yourself into situations and you think, how in the world did I do that? I, I, I have... I have seen people in situations and, and I've thought to myself, you know what, the, the reality is I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have done that if I tried. Have you all been there? We've all been there. Pray for wisdom. Number five. And this is an important one that, that oftentimes is, 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 is neglected in our prayers for pastors. Pray for doctrinal faithfulness. <clears throat> Pray for doctrinal faithfulness. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiment of the world, and not after Christ. I can't tell you how many times people have walked up to me and said, Pastor, you need to read this book. And sometimes it's, it's a good book, but oftentimes they're trying to get me to change my doctrinal stance. And, and the reality is, uh, this is the only book I need. I don't need a, a book written by a man to help me understand how I need to change what God has already put in my heart. The temptation for pastors to bend on doctrine is incredible. Now, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? This is, I told you I was going to be transparent. Every time I go to a pastor's conference, every time, where I'm around other pastors, put it that way, one of the questions we ask each other is, 
how's your church doing? Now, those of you uh, that may be churched <clears throat> or, or unchurched, whatever, what that is, is that's, that's, that's pastor code. You, you know what I mean by pastor code? That's a, that's a secret language that we have. And, and, and what, what, is, what do you think a pastor means when he says, hey, how's your church doing? Your attendance. How, how's your church doing? Am I right? Okay, he, he used to be a pastor. <clears throat> Every pastor knows what that means. And there is an incredible pressure, an external pressure placed on us. Let me, let me rephrase that. It is external, but more often than not, it is it is internal pressure that we put on ourselves to make sure our church grows. And if the church isn't growing, <clears throat> what, what, what do you think some of the things Satan puts in our minds? Oh, yeah, what are you doing wrong? Well, if you did this, or if you didn't preach on sin, or if you, you, you know, and, and all of these things start to play in our minds. And it is so tempting to say, well, you know what, if I, if I were to give in to the culture, then more people would come. You see the temptation? Look at churches across our country today. You see it over and over and over. Churches like ours that are that are standing to uh, standing on truth are getting smaller and smaller, and they're getting fewer and fewer because that pressure to conform to the world is so great. I can't tell you. You can go to a Bible bookstore, and, and well, there's none around here. Um, <clears throat> but if you ever run across one, <clears throat> you can go into a Bible bookstore, and they have, they have shelves of books on how to grow a church. I, I, get, I get literature in the mail all the time. I get magazines. I get all kinds of stuff on how to grow a church. Very seldom. Very seldom is it based in this book. Most of the time, it is the schemes of men trying to manipulate people. You know what? We're not about that here. But pray for your pastor because it's an incredible incredible pressure to stay faithful to doctrine. Number six, and this is another one that's kind of a no-brainer, but we don't think about it. Pray for health. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is 
uh, in you, which, is, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Now let me say this. My wife and I were talking recently. And <clears throat> just about every pastor and pastor's, pastor's wife that we know, and we know a lot, just about every one of them is going through some kind of health crisis. Just about. Why? Because if Satan can attack the flesh, he's going to discourage you. And 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 the list the list goes on and on and on. Absolutely, all 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 aspects of the body, uh, the the physical, the spiritual, <clears throat> every every part. It is so important, and there is a direct connection, and 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 any good doctor will tell you this. There is a there is a direct connection between the physical and the spiritual. When, when, when one isn't right, it, it affects the other. And, and, and let, let me say this, this is not in my notes, but I, I want to throw this in, just, just so you know. <clears throat> one of the most important things that you can do as a human being is get sleep. Yes. Amen. God, God, <laughs> I, I, several of you just said, what's that? <laughs> okay, God made us to heal ourselves spiritually and physically when we are sleeping. It is, it is, it is an important function in our lives. <clears throat> I need to keep going. I've got two more to go. <clears throat> Number seven, pray for a strong marriage. Pray for a strong marriage. First Timothy chapter 3 <clears throat> verses 2 to 6, says a bishop or a pastor then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, not uh, greedy uh, uh, of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his house well, uh, or, excuse me, uh, ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know how to rule his own house, how shall he, uh, excuse me, no, not, how, I'm trying to read too fast. Please excuse me. Let me try that again. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the house of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. I came across a quote <clears throat> in studying for this that I wanted to share with you. Church history is littered by the skeletons of pastors and marriages that fell apart under the strain of ministry.
back 11 and a half years ago when <clears throat> we started Grace Baptist Church. My wife and I moved here uh, in December, will be 12 years. We started the church the following July. <clears throat> when we started the church, I was literally working seven days a week. Uh, we had uh, no time together because I had, this is the way we think, I had to grow the church. For about six months that went on. My precious wife came to me one day. And she didn't threaten to divorce me because she doesn't believe in divorce. But she looked at me. She says, you know, Rick, she says, I have a shovel and I have a gun. <laughs> and you taught me how to use the gun. And my daddy taught me how to use the shovel. You know, and, it, and it, you know what? What it, it made me realize what I had done. See, I had put the church before my marriage. Now, I hate to tell you this, but that's wrong. On earth, the most precious thing in my life is my wife. Period. You guys, you know, maybe twenty, twenty-five down the, you know, no, I'm serious. <clears throat> but I had my priorities out of whack. See, it is important for a pastor to have the right kind of home. You, you, you think, well, why? A number of reasons. One, if... If, if you're having marital problems and, and I have a lousy marriage, are you going to come to me for marriage counseling? <clears throat> if you're smart, you won't. <laughs> but see, the, 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 the main reason a pastor needs a good marriage, and it's so important you pray for this, is that a well-balanced marriage she helps take some of the burden off of me. And we, we encourage each other. It, it's, a, it's a give and take thing. And those, who, those of you out there that have good marriages know what I'm talking about. In fact, those of you out there that have bad marriages know what I'm talking about. Number eight, and we'll, we'll, we'll be done here in just a minute. <clears throat> Pray for meaningful friendships. Pray for meaningful friendships. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born into adversity. <clears throat> when I was reading through those statistics, I, I read this. I said 78% of pastors have no close friends. And, and again, I... I, 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 I do not fall into that category. I have, I have probably eight or ten very, very dear friends that I, that I stay in contact with. Not as often as I should, just because they're busy, I'm busy. Most of them are pastors, you know, and we just, you know, 
but I have the eight or ten men that I can call at a drop of a hat and say, I need to talk. But not every pastor is like that. More often than not, my experience has been that pastors try to be friends with people in the church and have that kind of friendship. And then something will happen and that person will get offended or they'll, they'll do something and it, just, it sends ripples through the church. Not that, and, and I, I don't want you to think that I, I, I'm not friends. I have, I have many friends in this church. In fact, I, I count all of you friends. But I, I can't have a friend in, the, in our church where I can bear my soul to. And that can be a lonely place. And I thank God that, that He's put people in my life that live other places that, that I, can, I can call and, and, and pour into. We all need those kind of friends in our lives. And so often, many pastors, many pastors, they don't have that kind of friendship. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. No man can do me a truer kindness in this world than to pray for me. And I, I, I want to echo that. Because if, if there's anything that you can do for me, it's to pray for me and my wife. And I will say this, every pastor that I know would say the exact same thing. Those of you that are on Facebook, you may have seen something that I put on Facebook earlier this week. Don't put your pastor on a pedestal where he can be knocked off. Put your pastor on a prayer list where he can be lifted up. I have feet of clay. And, and if, you're, if you're around me long enough, and it doesn't take long, but if you're around me long enough, you will, you will find out real fast that I'm, I'm human and that I make mistakes, big mistakes. Don't, don't put me on a pedestal because <clears throat> I will let you down. But if you pray for me, then God can use me in your life in great ways. I told you at the beginning that this was going to be a different kind of a message. And, and again, I'm not apologizing for that at all. I, I think it's a very needful message in churches across our country because I think that the... Uh, the, the church today has lost its burden to pray for pastors. So please, make it a, make it a, a, a ritual, if you would, of a Saturday night or early on a Sunday morning to pray for every pastor that you know.
it, it makes a difference. And not only that, you're commanded to do it. So let's review the eight things very, very quickly and then we'll be done. Pray for protection from Satan. Pray for the fight against the flesh. Pray for spiritual encouragement. Pray for wisdom. Pray for doctrinal faithfulness. Pray for health. Pray for a strong marriage. And pray for meaningful relations, our friendships or relationships. It's important. And God will do great things through the pastors of our country if people will be praying for them. Let me say this in closing. Do you know Christ this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I, I hope you have. Here we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. The, 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 the thankfulness that the, the pilgrims experienced after the first year of being here in, in, the, the, in the colonies, if you would. So many of them died giving their lives for religious freedom. Go back, if you would, and, and, and read the, 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 um, uh, 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 the compact. Uh, isn't that what they called it? The, the, the Mayfowler Compact, or the, the agreement, or the purpose statement, if you would, of, of why they did this. And, and if anybody can read that and claim that it was an uh, atheistic adventure, they are crazy. They did it for one reason, and that was for religious freedom. Many of them gave their lives that first year. So that you and I could sit here today. What an incredible thought. Do you know Christ this morning? If you do, I, I praise God for that. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to. Let's pray.